0: For a year. Well, when you start looking at Christ, and in any kind of relationship to the church, this is a lifetime endeavor. Knowing Him is eternal. It's not even uh, just in the natural. It's eternal, and this is life eternal. Jesus said that you might know Him. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom he hath sent. Eternal life is knowing him. And so a lot of times what we've done with Christianity is we've almost done everything but know him. And our whole walk as a Christian, as a believer, should be to have a mind to know the Lord. That's what our whole walk should be, is to know the Lord. And that's the heart I bring to you, is, is I want to know Christ Jesus in His fullness. I don't want to just know Him in part, but I want to know Him in His absolute fullness, the fullness of God in Christ. And the church which is his body, uh, Paul writes, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Of his fullness, John writes, have we received and grace for grace. So we've got the fullness of Christ in the church. But understanding his fullness is, is a whole different thing, and that's what Paul in the book of Ephesians spoke of when he said that we are to walk Out the length, the depth, the breadth, and the height of him, that we are to know him in his length, depth, breadth, and height. And folks, uh, I believe that's what John saw in the book of Revelation chapter 1 when he turned to see the voice that spake with him, and being turned, he saw one in the seven golden candlesticks, one like the Son of Man in the candlesticks. And he saw him with hair white as wool, eyes as a flame of fire, feet as burning brass, out of his mouth a two-edged sword, his countenance as the sun that shineth in his strength, having on the robe down to his feet, the garment down to his feet, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. So so John sees this vivid description of the Son of Man who, who Jesus said to Peter, Whom do you say that the Son of Man is? And he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he sees this description of him in the seven churches of Asia, or the seven candlesticks. And every one of these describing factors, from hair white as wool to eyes as a flame of fire, are to be known and comprehended by you and I that are his church that are His body. These are not just things that we, you know, read over. This is to be comprehended. This is to be understood. This is to be known. And how I know this is I set my heart toward it. We that are His have to set our hearts toward the knowing of Him. That's... That's who we belong to, folks. You you know, we belong to Him that has raised from the dead. That's what Paul says, that that our our life is not our own, but it belongs to Him. In fact, Paul says He is our life. So, So we have to settle that in our heart, that our life is Christ. My life is not my own. My life is His, and my days in the earth are for expressing Him to the world. And I express him in my home, I express him wherever I go. It's to express Christ in every manner of our lives. So as we get back into the scriptures we've been looking at, in Hebrews 8, 1, the Bible reads, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the Sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the Majesty in Heaven. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, and not man. So we have a high priest who sat down in a finished work, and he's the minister of the true sanctuary, the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. So we have to comprehend this. We don't just read this, folks. We have to comprehend this in our heart, receive it, and walk in what God is saying in His Word that's revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And so so this summation of this high priest, the one clothed with the garment down the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle, Eyes of flame of fire, hair white as wool. This is what we're looking at. This is the Son. We have such a high priest that is set down in the authority of God. So he's set down in God's authority, having all power and authority. That's what he said when he raised from the dead. All power and authority is given to me. So we have to accept that. He has the authority. Believers think somehow the devil still has authority over them. Many believers do. But Jesus raised from the dead. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. So he sat down having overcome all things, having overcome death and hell, overcoming all things, and that's what we're going to begin to wrap our heart around, that He overcome all things. In Hebrews nine eleven, it says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood, He entered the Holy Place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption, for the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of flesh, how much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to cleanse your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. So Christ appeared as a high priest of good things to come. I want you to hear this. He was a priest of that that was coming and He is not a priest of the Old Covenant. So He's this good things to come is a big deal. And we have to understand this, comprehend this, that his priesthood is of what was coming. So so the law made priests after the order of Aaron, the Levitical priesthood, Christ came after the order of the eternal oath. There are thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So we have a movement that's happened from one order to an eternal order. So Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, the order of an endless life. His priesthood does not change. He does not change, glory to God. So here we go. We have a high priest... And and that's after an eternal order of the good things to come. Now, now, folks, we are of the good things to come. We are not still captive to that old covenant law of Moses. That law was of God. You know, I hear people uh, say that law wasn't even of God. And I want to say to them, brother and sister, you do err. That law was absolutely of God, but it was declaring Christ. Everything in that book is declaring Him from Genesis to Malachi. The whole Old Testament book speaks of Him. So here we go, and He, and he comes of good things to come. And the good things to come is what we're looking at. So what His eternal offering did for us... As believers, as the church, and as His body. See, if I don't understand what it did, I can't express it. I can't share it. I can't make it known. I have to know what His eternal work did. Hebrews 9.25. Flip on down if you're in Hebrews 9. Go to Hebrews nine and start at verse 25, and this is a profound scripture, folks. And, and there's some, as a country boy, there would be some what you would call meat and potatoes here. It says in verse 25, "...nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others." For them must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as is pointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now, now, notice this. It says if he was a priest after the old covenant, he would have had to offer himself often. He would have had to suffered often since the foundation of the world. But now what's in the end of the world? Get a hold of this, the end of the world. The world here is a word defined as age, a period of time. So in the end of of that age, He appeared to put away sin. And how was He going to put away sin? By sacrificing Himself for sin. He is the one sacrifice that forever removed sin... Away from us. And as it's appointed unto men once to die, after this, the judgment, so Christ took our appointment of death. Now where was it appointed unto man once to die? Back in the garden. God said to Adam, the day you eat, you shall surely die. And in Romans chapter 5, the Bible declares, Romans 5, verse 12, Therefore, as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin. So death passed unto all men, for that all sinned. So death entered through Adam. And passed upon all mankind through death, through sin. So through Adam's disobedience, death came to all men. Now through the obedience of Christ, life has come because He bore our sin in His body Isaiah the prophet declared that God laid upon him the sin of us all. So so Jesus bore my sin. He bore my penalty of death, if I can get a hold of that. He took it upon Himself and died. So He judged sin in the flesh and He put it to death. Now, I want to run with this, and and I have to uh, slow down just a little bit. In Romans 8, it says, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Now what does this mean? He condemned sin in the flesh. It, this word condemned means He sentenced sin. It is brought judgment against. So He judged Sin in his own flesh. And how did he judge it? He that knew no sin became sin for us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. What did he nail to his cross? He nailed the old man. And what did he do with the old man? He put him to death. glory to god so he died and paul writes we were made dead with him to the old man we were crucified with christ so he nailed the penalty of sin upon the cross and brought it to death glory to god now Turn to Isaiah 53. There's, there's something in here extremely powerful, and, and I'll have to come back through this probably the next couple of weeks to say what I'm hearing and seeing of the Lord. He was taken from prison and from judgment, Isaiah 53 verse 8. And who shall declare his generation? Folks, we're declaring his generation. We are... The generation of the Lord. And that's what we're declaring. We're declaring His resurrection all over the earth. God spoke in the book of Psalms and said that there would be a seed for a generation. And the Apostle Peter said, we're a holy generation. And that generation is his seed. That's that's an eternal generation. That's an eternal seed. You are his. Well, moving on from this, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He was cut off from the land of the living. Get a hold of this. And he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Now, now I want to say something here. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Read back up above. He was cut off out of the land of the living. When was he cut off out of the land of the living? When he died and was buried, he was cut off from the land of the living. Glory to God. His soul was made an offering for sin. (laughs) Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He made His grave with the wicked. So He went into death, folks. Flip over to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. For David speaketh concerning him. Listen what David says concerning Christ. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. More Over Also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy and countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak freely freely speak unto you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried and his sepulture is with us unto this day. Therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with the oath to him that of the fruit of his loins according to the flesh he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seen this before spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell. His soul went According to this scripture, into hell. Now we can debate that all we want, but but I'm going to point you to the scripture. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Thou wilt not allow my flesh to see corruption. This word hell, in the Greek, it's a Greek word G86 or 86, Strong's 86. It's Hades. And it means the place of departed souls, according to the Strong's Dictionary. In the Old Testament, it is the word sheol, S-H-E-O-L, and I probably don't pronounce these words just correct. And it means the underworld, place to which people descend at death. It is translated as the pit, death, hell. The grave, there's, there's numerous numerous translations in the King James Version of the word Sheol, but it actually means the place that people descend to when they die. That's what Sheol means. And that's what Jesus declared he, he, of Himself through the Spirit of Christ that was in, in David. In Psalm 16, 9, it says, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, my body also will dwell securely, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. I believe this is the Berean translation. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with your eternal pleasures at your right hand. So what I'm seeing here is his soul was separated like man and went into the grave, went into the place of the unseen, went into the realm of death, and he went in there for you and me that we do not ever have to go there, folks. We do not. Why do we not go there when we pass from our bodies? Because He is my life. Get a hold of this. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So you and I are not going into the realm of the unseen when we pass from these bodies. In fact... The Apostle John says you have passed from death, the death that was in Adam, into life because you died with him in his death and he died to death. He descended into the grave. Glory to God. And he raised out from the dead. He is our resurrection out from the dead. Glory to God. That we would live unto God So, folks, I don't have the fear of the unseen in my future. In Hebrews 2, it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, Hebrews 2, verse 14, He also Himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not upon him the nature of the angels, but he took upon him the seed of Abraham. He was made in the likeness of man to die of the death of the cross. See, the death of the cross is only found in him. He, he is the death of the cross, folks. You, ha- you can hang a thousand people or ten thousand people up on crosses, but the only one that, that died the death of the cross to bring us out of Adam and into Christ, into God, is the Lord Jesus himself. He died. The death of the cross. To destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. This word destroy means, in the Strong's, it's word 2673, and it means to render entirely useless So he rendered the power of Satan entirely useless. And in the coming weeks, I I really want to get in this. And and, and unless my heart is changed, that's where I plan to look at. I, I, I wrote a question mark, and I'm going to speak this to you. How does the devil have the power of death? When you read this, you should ask that question. And maybe a better way of saying it, how did he have the power of death? Because he doesn't have it anymore. (laughs) Jesus said, all power is mine. And then another question, who is the devil? Well, and I believe Paul answers this, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. So, So, you know, there are those that, that think, well, there's no devil, it's just your mind, well, we're going, to, we're going to understand this by the Scripture and by the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, everything has to be understood by the Scripture and by the Spirit of God, or I don't understand it. I don't clearly see it. So, so he rendered him that had the power of death totally useless. How, how did he do that? Well, flip to Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. I went into death. I took your sin upon me. It's what Jesus is saying. I went into death, folks. But I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm not going into death anymore. I'm alive, Christ is saying, forevermore. Amen. Can you say amen? He will never die. Amen. And have the keys. I've taken the key, the authority of hell and death. I've taken it. He that believeth in me, Jesus said, shall never die. Believe us, thou this. Why do we never die? Because He's our life. He's my life. My life is not even my natural body. I have a natural body. I'm fully aware of my body. But my life is Christ. Christ who is my life will not die. So my soul will never die because He is my life. Glory to God. So, while I'm saying this to you this morning and, and here, uh, I, I just believe I'm here by the Spirit of God. But a lot of people in, in funerals, I, I, I want to share this with you. Uh, just share a few more moments. We're at 30 minutes and I'm trying to keep these around 30-40 minutes. Many years ago now, in my time, in, in, uh, I, I preached a funeral of my great-aunt. She passed away. She was a believer. And one of the common scriptures to read over people that were believers even was out of the book of Job. Come forth, uh, you know, for a little while and so forth, cut down as a flower. Man that is born of woman, his few days... And full of trouble. And and this caught a hold of me. Really got a hold of my heart. Man that is born of woman is a few days. And that's what he is. You, You see this outward shell, it's a few days. But Jesus come to Nicodemus, or Nicodemus came to Jesus actually at night. And Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born of spirit to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, he said you must be born of the water and spirit to enter the kingdom of God. So when you're born again, you're no longer just a man born of woman a few days and full of trouble. You're born by the eternal Word of God. He births you by Himself. Man, that's the power of the resurrection. This Christ is God you see. And he bursts me through his word, the eternal word of God. I'm birthed. I believe this word, and this word has power, because this word is spirit and life, and it bursts me out of this old man and into the new man who is Christ. Never to die. Now, I'm not telling you your physical body won't die. Physical bodies die every day. But I'm telling you, if He is your life, how then can you die? He destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. He became your life. So the fear of death was taken away through Him. As I know Him, I know my life. Glory to God. That's what I know. I know my life, and I can express my life through my mortal body. Amen and glory to God. That the eternal, immortal Christ can be made known through the mortal. Now, we're one with Christ, folks. We're already one with Christ. He that is joined to the Lord is one Spirit. See, in our minds, we're just one with this old natural body, this, which, which Peter, I believe, called it a tent, that he said he must put off his tent. Paul said if this earthly house is dissolved, we have, not we're getting, he said we have a building "...of God in the heavens." We already are being clothed upon with their eternal house who is Christ. We're being clothed upon by the Word of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. He is a minister of the sanctuary that the Lord built and not man. The eternal sanctuary of God. Glory to God. I will dwell in the house of the Lord (laughs) Forever. <laughs> Hallelujah! Let that become real to us, that we dwell in His presence now and forever. And we're declaring the Eternal One in the earth. He that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son hath not life. So if you have not Christ, you have not life. He is life. He is the eternal one. He is the one that went into, according to the Scripture, hell, and overcome death and the grave, rose from it, and He he brought us up with Him. Hallelujah. Paul says we we died with Him. We were buried with Him. And we are raised with Him. Now that's what I want to get a hold of in my heart. I want to understand that with all my heart and being. That I can declare it in the earth. That He can be manifested through me. I want to be careful what I say that I can do. Because it's Him living through me. And it's me submitting to him. See, he's my life. I'm his body. I'm a member of the body of Christ. And that's what you are. And there's no big eyes and little use here. Or or the big eye is him. (laughs) It's Jesus. It's not you and me. See, see, folks have tried to make it you and me for years. The the something's that's just gloriously special about me. Well, I'll tell you what's special about me, and His name is Jesus. He's what's special about me. Outside of that, there's nothing special about me. Nothing. Or about you. If you try to find anything special about yourself but Christ, I'm afraid you're going to come to a big disappointment. He's what's special. And the glorious... Thing he's done is made us one with himself that we can just see how special he is and we can share in what he is glory to God now man that to me is salvation that what he is I can know I can understand if you ask me that's heaven to me is is knowing the glory of the Lord that is like Paul said, being seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that I can know Him. Because I've known what I am according to my flesh. But by the Spirit of God, I'm being transformed to know what He is and to bear Him in my mortal body that His life will come through me. Well, we're going to look at this again uh, most likely next Sunday. And Matthew twelve 20. I'm going to end here, but we're going to really, I believe, next week. This is where I wanted to get to the last two weeks. Matthew twelve twenty. A bruised reed shall he not break, a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he sent forth judgment unto victory. And just real fast, that's what he did in his death. He sent forth judgment unto victory. He raised from the dead. That's the victory. He judged sin in the flesh. And He raised from among the dead, and He raised us with Him. Glory to God. Well, God bless you. I pray you have an outstanding day. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, may You just fill our minds and our hearts with the fullness of You. May You cause us to know You in Your fullness. Lord, through the power of Jesus Christ, just cause this resurrection life to flow from Your temple. We are the temple of the living God, as the Word says. May we be the expression of You that's in us. Father, I just thank You for this great reality that You've given us in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.